This is Tending Seeds, a podcast about my adventures in homesteading and herbalism. I'm Sarah Schuster, and I'll be your host. Thanks for being here today. Hey, friends, welcome back. It has been a minute since our last episode. There's been no shortage of things happening both out in the world and here at the farm. The pandemic has not only continued, but has ramped up. And we have also seen uprisings occurring in almost every major city following the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many other Black people. To be honest, part of what has kept new episodes from coming out has definitely been that I've just been so incredibly busy with everything happening here on the farm. But another part of it has also been a real sense of writer's block. I've had so many emotions these past couple of months and no clue how to get them out on the page and then into a podcast for you all. It didn't feel right for me to just jump into a new episode without acknowledging the social justice movements happening right now, but I also felt a bit bit paralyzed. I was worried that I would say the wrong thing. But what I've had to realize and accept is that that's okay, because odds are I will say the wrong thing at some point. And in fact, I know and can guarantee that I've made mistakes in the past and said the wrong things in the past. And so I probably will again in the future too. But I can't let that stop me from raising my voice for the things that I do believe in. And when I invariably do stumble, I promise to be open to critique and correction and to move forward and do better. Because hey, isn't that all any of us can do? Just continually try to become better people. So I'll keep this brief. I believe that many of the systems in our country need to be dismantled and replaced because they clearly do not treat people equally and attempts at reforming them have consistently fallen far too short. People are dying. Change can no longer wait. It is far, far overdue. In the July issue of our full moon zine, I wrote a bit about this and why change suddenly feels more possible right now. And I'd like to share a small piece of that writing here today. We've spent months during this pandemic contemplating the mortality of ourselves and our loved ones and even people we've never met. The day-to-day that we were accustomed to ground to a halt for a large percentage of the population, leaving many with time to contemplate aspects of their lives that they had been too busy to grapple with previously. We got introduced to the concept of community care, that I wear a mask for your safety, you wear a mask for mine, pushing back on the narrative that we are no longer interconnected. So many of our assumptions have been called into question this year. Ideas about our physical safety and health during the pandemic, ideas about our financial stability during quarantine and shutdowns, and it's been truly eye-opening. If all of that can disappear overnight, then what do we truly have? And the answer that many of us seem to have arrived at is, we have each other. In that spirit of interconnectedness, we have mobilized as if we finally understand that there is no separation between us. If an injustice is committed against one person, we must all care as much as if it happened to the most beloved person in our lives. Radical love is justice in action. And I am thrilled to see more and more people commit themselves to this work, this difficult and uncomfortable work of creating a new vision of a just world. I'll end this segment here with a very short poem of Rumi's translated by Dr. Omid Safi. You and I have to live as if you and I never heard of a you and an I. Okay, 
deep breath here. Thanks for hanging with me. Now on to our topic for today. I would like to talk about my top three herbs for you to start growing, even if you are totally new to growing herbs. With everything that's happened this year regarding the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been a huge uptick in people wanting to grow more and more of their own food, which is so awesome. That interest has also spilled over into folks wanting to grow some medicinal herbs as well. So today I want to spotlight just a handful of herbs that I feel are both easy to grow and cover a lot of bases medicinally for you. I'll be discussing how to grow them as well as some of their medicinal properties. So just a note here that this podcast is for educational purposes only, my little disclaimer. Please do your own research before starting to work with a new herb, especially if you are pregnant, nursing, or taking any medications. Okay, cool? Cool. The first herb I want to spotlight is calendula. This is probably my favorite herb to suggest to new gardeners for several reasons. The first being that it's really easy to grow from seed. The flowers are beautiful to look at, so even if you live somewhere with an HOA, you can probably get away with planting it and passing it off as a landscaping plant, even in areas with really strict rules about gardening and lawns. Also, it grows really fast. The DTM, or days to maturity, for calendula is incredibly short, 45 to 60 days to go from seed to flower, so less than two months, uh, basically, to get your first harvest. Calendula also has really cool seeds. They look like little curved fossils or horns. I've seen some people call them dinosaur seeds. They germinate pretty quickly, anywhere from 7 to 14 days, and they don't require any special growing conditions. The part of the plant that we want to harvest is going to be the flower head. So as the flowers open up, I wait until they've been fully open for a day or so, getting that really good sun and full of energy, those petals looking just nice, uh, nice and lush. And then I just pop them gently off the plant as one piece. So I don't even have to use scissors. Uh, I just hold the stem gently with one hand and then cup my my fingers around the flower with my other hand and just give a small tug and it'll pop right off. So the parts of the calendula flower that we would normally call petals, uh, we actually call them florets. Those florets are edible. And so you can sprinkle them on salads if you want, or you can add them to soups or broths. I normally will dry my flowers whole, Uh, with the sticky green bracts intact, because that's where the best medicine really is. There's nothing more beautiful than a handful of gently dried calendula flowers from your own garden. Trust me. The color is just incredible. I primarily work with calendula in two ways, as a tea and as an infused oil. So it's a key to any herbal tea that I'm making for clients when they're looking for assistance with their digestive health. And calendula is also fantastic for moving stagnation in our lymphatic systems. So if you are feeling just like, uh, if you tend to run like cold and damp, so folks that tend to hold like retain water, so edema, um, that's often tied to like a stagnation in the lymphatic system. So calendula can be really helpful, especially in combination with some other herbs um, to get that lymphatic system moving and get things, you know, flowing again. So I also, you know, calendula is going to be, for most herbalists, it's the first infused herbal oil that they make, and for good reason, um, because it's so vibrant, it's simply magical to look at, and it's also just a really great, uh, wonderful all-purpose salve. So calendula is also great for any sort of combination of herbs that you're doing for like wound healing, abrasions, 
uh, rashes. It can help calm down, you know, bug bites and things like that. Uh, again, especially in combination with some other herbs. So it's really just a wonderful, you know, powerhouse plant to have um, growing on your property and in your garden because it has so many potential ways for you to work with it and develop a relationship with it. Okay, next up, I would love to talk to you today about lemon balm. So with its lemony scent, and it also has these vibrant scalloped leaves, lemon balm is super easy to identify, and it's an herb I'm always so happy to find. It has a square stem because it's part of the mint family, and it also has what we call simple opposite leaves. The stems are going to be fairly thin and tender during the spring, but then as you head into summer, they will get woodier. Lemon balm really loves to like sprawl out and fill space. So if you let it, it is going to spread. Uh, It's also really pretty easy to grow from seed. You can also divide the roots of your existing plants though. So if you already have some, or if you have a friend that's willing to let you come and split up some of the plants they have and thin them out, then definitely like hit your friend up for that. And, but if you do decide to grow from seed, um, it's important to know that lemon balm is a light dependent germinator, meaning it needs light in order for those seeds to germinate. And it doesn't take too long. So germination normally takes about seven to 10 days in my experience. When you go to harvest, you're just going to use a pair of scissors. You can cut through the stems of the new growth, take anywhere from like four to six inches off of the plant, depending on how much growth you've had. And if you keep it well watered, you know, a normal season, you can expect to get multiple harvests throughout the year, you know, until you start to really get frost, it's going to be doing really well up until that point. Um, I have found that if you don't trim your lemon balm, it tends to get pretty leggy. So you do want to take frequent cuttings throughout the season and that helps the plant. It just looks a lot happier. helps it kind of like fill out and bush out kind of similar to if you've ever like uh, pinched the tops on like basil or, or similar plants like that. So I most often work with lemon balm in tea blends. I especially love this as an iced tea. Uh, It also can be used uh, in the kitchen though. So lemon balm leaves can be put into pesto. It's really delicious um, or also blended into hummus or just added as a garnish into salads. So lots of potential uses there. And the great thing is lemon balm is going to be a really gentle herb. It's safe for children and tasty too. So they enjoy it. And it's also really powerful for uplifting our moods when we're feeling down. So it's especially wonderful to have some of this during the winter uh, if you're someone who struggles with seasonal affective disorder. And lemon balm, like I said, is fairly safe for most folks. Um, It doesn't have a ton of contraindications. Um, The big one I can think of would be like really extended long-term use for people who have hypothyroidism. Um, But like many other members of the mint family, Lemon balm is a carminative, meaning it can be really helpful if you're needing to get some relief from things like indigestion, gas, and bloating. Also, if I'm feeling like overly stressed and anxious, lemon balm is going to be one of the herbs that I reach for. Lemon balm really helps me like calm down a bit. If I'm having a day where I'm like struggling with my ADD, I find lemon balm is really helpful for me because it lets me slow down enough to get focused and back on task, but it also doesn't make me so relaxed that then I'm like sleepy in the middle of the day. Uh, Lemon balm also has some pretty great antiviral properties that have been studied. There are some like great scientific studies out there that you can find, um, and it's been found to be effective topically for herpes outbreaks. 
And lemon balm can also be used internally for viruses, including chickenpox and shingles. Okay, and the third and final herb that I want to encourage you to grow today is yarrow. So like lemon balm, this is also a perennial, meaning it will come back for you year after year. And, and you know, I just I love herbs that I only need to plant once. Also, when it's in bloom, yarrow has these delicate clusters of flowers and these tiny feathery leaves. I feel like they're super unmistakable. You know, once you've been introduced to this plant once, you're going to be able to always spot it again after that. It actually comes in a wide array of flower colors. So you've actually probably seen this a whole bunch at garden centers um, for landscaping. But if you're looking for the medicinal value, you'll want to stick to yarrow that has white flowers. Um, but even still, the other cultivars, the other colors, they're really beautiful and lovely. So if you like them and want to use them as a landscaping plant uh, somewhere in your garden or on your property, feel free. I mean, it, they're beautiful. So Yarrow is actually one of the reasons that we bought the land we currently live on. Uh, when we first came to look at this house, I was just like instantly drawn to the fact that in this little like turnaround in the driveway, there's this large clump of yarrow uh, growing just in this tiny little turnaround. And so since I knew yarrow's affinity for healing and for promoting balance within the body, it really felt like a perfect sign to have just like stumbled across this stand of the plant while we were like weighing this big decision about where to start our farm and to have our healing and herbal business. So I definitely took that as a sign. And two years later now, that same clump of yarrow has kept reseeding itself and has continued to spread and fill in. Um, it's actually in flower right now. And so it just, it fills me with so much happiness. Like every day when I go outside, I kind of like stop by and like run my hands uh, through the leaves because they're like really feathery and just feel like kind of like tickle your hand when you run run through it. It just makes me so happy like when I head outside every day. So one of the really interesting things about yarrow is that it has this ability to be kind of whatever you need it to be. Yarrow is amphoteric, meaning it can be both cooling and warming in terms of energetics. Normally, most of the time with herbs, they have an affinity for either one direction or the other. Um, yarrow can be either depending on the situation. Also, um, in some instances, like yarrow has a real strong affinity for the blood. In some instances, yarrow can help to stop blood flow. So like with a cut or something. But then in other instances, it can actually help to promote and increase blood flow and to assist with circulation in another situation. So <laughs> it can kind of like leave you scratching your head, wondering like, how does Yarrow know what I need? And I can't answer that for you in like a super scientific fashion, except to just say, Yarrow just knows like, what an incredible plant ally. So I think this is a great plant to get to know and develop a relationship with. So yarrow is really incredibly powerful for wounds. Uh, like I just mentioned, if you ever cut yourself, yarrow leaves are actually an excellent styptic to help stop bleeding. So a lot of folks keep uh, powdered yarrow leaves in their first aid kits, which can be pretty effective. You'll want to like replace that pretty frequently because once we powder an herb, um, it's gonna continue to break down fairly quickly. Um, but if you happen to be in an area and you've cut yourself and there is fresh yarrow available, those fresh leaves are like even uh, more beneficial than, than the dried powdered ones. So if you have access to that, that's a really great plant to know how to identify if you're someone that's going off and like hiking and camping a whole bunch. 
Yarrow also disinfects quite well, so this can be really beneficial as like a wound wash uh, once you've gotten like blood loss and stuff after under control and need to now like clean out the wound and like make sure nothing's getting getting infected. Yarrow is also helpful for like cold and flu season for us because it's a great diaphoretic, meaning it helps promote sweating. So if you think about situations where maybe you've needed to like break a fever. Um, you know, fevers in and of themselves, like aren't usually like dangerous. That's a body's natural, you know, response is to try to heat up when we know that there's, you know, we're sick, there's, you know, we need to get the sickness out of our body. Um, but sometimes we have this like very mild fever where like we need to crank that fire up so that it can do its work and clear the body out. We don't want to just have this like low simmer. So yarrow as a diaphoretic herb can be a really great plant to work with in that scenario to get you sweating so you can get through what your body needs to get through and then stop having a fever. Yarrow flowers also are really wonderful because they're antimicrobial and decongestant. So this is a plant ally that I turn to whenever I have the first sign of like a sinus infection, which I'm very prone to, um, especially during like allergy seasons. Um, so sometimes even if I just have a stuffy nose from seasonal allergies, because I don't want that to turn into a sinus infection, um, just because, you know, yay mucus, um, yarrow is when I, I turn to at that time. I will note here that Yarrow is pretty bitter. <laughs> it's not going to be, probably not going to be your favorite flavor to deal with. Um, so you'll probably want to work with this either as a tincture, or if you are going to work with it as a tea, you're going to want to add some other ingredients um, to hopefully like work with that and balance it out. So like for instance, with the using it as a diaphoretic, um, some other diaphoretic herbs that are, that are maybe a bit tastier that I would add in there. Uh, elderflower would, would be one that I would add. Um, and so blending those two together and maybe like some peppermint um, for a diaphoretic blend to really like get moving, get sweating and get through all of that. So yeah, so just knowing which herbs to combine can sometimes be like the winner here, especially if you're trying to get like a kiddo to drink tea and, and they're like, oh, this tastes so bad. Uh, yarrow doesn't have a ton of culinary uses, but one of its uh, other names, it used to sometimes be referred to as field hops. And so it was really popular with brewers for making ales and meads. Um, and some folks, some home brewers do still use that today. But otherwise than that, I don't have a ton of culinary uses for you with that herb, but it has so many great medicinal uses and it's also beautiful to look at. And so that's why I'd really encourage you to incorporate uh, this herb, as well as lemon balm and calendula into your garden. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, I hope it gives you some starting points to growing some of your own herbs and beginning to develop a relationship. Uh, I think these are three really awesome plants for you to start getting to know. As always, you can reach out, contact me with any questions, comments, topics you would like me to cover in the future. My email is foxandelder at gmail.com, and you can find me on Instagram as foxandelder. I also just want to say um, I did a free class earlier in July for the Portsmouth Library, and that was on growing herbs for making your own herbal teas. I'm hoping to do some more online classes in the future, um, especially right now when in-person classes really aren't an option. 
So I have added, if you're on the Fox and Elder website, foxandelder.com, I have added an option at the bottom of the homepage where you can sign up for our newsletter so that you can get notified of any like future upcoming classes uh, to join in and check that out. And I promise I will never spam y'all. Pinky swear. All right. Thanks for hanging in there with me today, y'all. And we've got some good stuff coming up for you. Um, Getting past the high peak of summer on the farm. And so we should be getting back to more regular episodes. And yeah, hang in there and uh, hope you're doing well out there. Until next time, keep your hands dirty and your heart open.